says it like this. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. Down at the bottom of page 30, Proverbs 21 and 5. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. So in other words, all these get-rich schemes, that's all exactly they are. If it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Financial planning. Allocating limited financial resources to unlimited spending alternatives. Framework for our finances. Number one, uh, principles. This isn't a blank. This is just up there at the top which says framework for our finances. Principles, priorities, planning. These are the three things we must do. We must live my life by, I must live my life by principles according to some priorities and I do that by planning out my spending. So live my life by principles according to some priorities and I do that by planning out my spending. Four biblical principles for money management. And this first one here, oh my goodness, if we could ever get this, spend less than you earn. If you spend less than you earn, you'll stop using credit cards. Because when you use credit cards so often, you're spending money that's not yours. People hate American Express, but American Express has a good thing. You have to pay it as you use it. But now they've gone to one you can make payments on. But American Express, you pay it when you use it. That You're within your limits. Spend less than you earn. In other words, live within your income. Dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Number two, avoid the use of debt. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Or slave, servant or slave to the lender. Number three, build an emergency fund. Prepare for the unexpected emergency. So often people say you should have six months worth of income. I've looked at that and that's a great idea, but that's hard. Let's be honest. I tell people start your emergency phone with $1,000. Because $1,000 will cover a lot of expenses. If it's medical and you have insurance, you're okay. If it's something else, but usually start with $1,000 and you put that $1,000 in an account where you, no one can get to it. People say, well, I got it in my checking account or my savings account. But if your savings account is attached to your checking account and you overdraw a check, they pull the money from your savings, that $1,000 is gone. You need to have an, you need, if you don't have an emergency fund of at least $1,000, you need to go next week, go to your bank or whatever bank you want to go to, and open up an account, even if you only have $10 to put in it. Each week, go put $10. It'll take you longer, but put something in that account each week until you get $1,000 in that account. And that account is not touched unless it is an emergency. Christmas is not an emergency. You knew it was coming. <laughs> back to school is not an emergency. They went back to school last year. You had to buy clothes. You got to buy them again this year. Uh, an emergency is something that is outside of your parameters that you, it hit you. You were sitting at home and the water heater blew out. That's an emergency. You didn't know it was going to blow out. Getting your nails done is not an emergency. 
I help you, brother. They got us on the Starbucks, so I'll, we'll get them now, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but get you an emergency account. It likes if you got to start with a dollar or $10, but you'll never get to 1000 if you don't start somewhere. I tell people, if you got to do $10 a week or $10 a month, it'll take you longer to get there, but do that $10 religiously. Make sure you put it in there every week or every month. Get you an emergency fund. Build an emergency fund. Look what he says. Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant, who has no one to, to tell it what to do, still has enough sense to go out and store food because they know winter's coming. That's why you have to have an emergency fund. Number four, set long-term goals. Paul said, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Long-term goals. A brief note on goals. A goal is something that is realistic, something that you can obtain. Why do people get discouraged with goal setting? Because they set goals that they will never get to. If you take and put a ball on, if you put a million dollars on top of this building and tell me I can have it, I can jump up there and grab it, I can't jump on top of the building. So set a goal that you know you can obtain. If you don't have any short-term goals, don't jump to the, don't jump to the long-term goals. Make some short-term goals. Okay, my short-term goals is this. I have, this may be a good example. You may say I have four credit cards. My first goal is to pay off a credit card. My second goal is to pay off the next credit card. Take your smallest credit card and purpose in your mind, I'm going to pay it off. Once you pay that one off, take that money and put it to the next one. That is not extra income. You don't have extra money in your household until you're debt free. See, people will pay off a bill and say, oh, I got that's extra money. No, no, I tell people, you do not have extra money until you are debt free. When you're debt free and don't owe anyone anything, then you have extra money. Well, I got a bonus last week. You don't have extra money. You take that bonus and pay off a bill. Because mm -hmm. it's nothing like being able to live debt free. You don't toss and turn at night. You just lay there and chill. Yes, sir. A question. Could you, um, Pastor, speak to the issue of, uh, and I don't know if you covered this yet, but, uh, you know, a, a, a mortgage on a house. Exactly. You know, because that's also... A debt, which it is, is a debt, which is probably what most folks have today in our society. Mm -hmm. So do you want to, could you address that for us? Yes. When it comes to a mortgage, it's hard to pay your mortgage off. So you have to say to your mind, I'm going to, we've said to ourselves, we'll probably always have a mortgage and some type of car payment. And I believe that's okay because God would want you to live nicely because I tell people, I've had people say, well, I rent, so it's not that bad. If you rent it, you'll never own it. You pay somebody 30 years rent, and what do you have to show for it at the end? Nothing. So it's okay to have a mortgage within your means. But it's no good to have a mortgage if you're, if you're living just to pay your mortgage but can't enjoy yourself. I've met people who, they have a beautiful home. Boy, that thing is gold. You go on the inside, ain't no furniture in it. Why? All their money's going to pay the mortgage. It's okay to have a mortgage within your, within your means. When I say it's good to be debt-free, I really, I would love to say I don't have a mortgage, but I do. But when I say debt-free, I mean, I think it's good to be debt-free of credit cards, 
finance companies, car payments, stuff like that, because I think we'll always have a mortgage. I don't know a way to, to really, you know, I, I love to be able to just pay my mortgage off one day. And you can do that. I've sat down and written a plan that says, okay, if I really want to do this, I can take and just put X amount to that each year, and I can get rid of it. And what we've said, we'll move one more time probably. We want to build a home. Now that one will pay off real quick because we've purposed in our heart. We know what we're making now. We've said we'll pay X amount to take that 30-year mortgage. We'll pay that mortgage off in 10 to 12 years. That'll be our goal, 15 at the longest. Because now if you can say you own your home, you become your own bank. Let me clarify that. Mortgages have gone through a tough time, but we'll bounce back. We got in this mess because you had people right. buying $700,000 houses, paying two $2,500 payments that really should have been a $5,500 payment. Then when the balloon came due, they, they were struggling to make the $2,500 payment. Now you tell them to make 55, they close the door and walk away from it. We'll rebound out of all of this eventually, but when you own your own mortgage, guess what? You're your bank because of this. Whatever that house is worth, if your credit is good, you can go and get that money. But you don't want to stretch yourself out too far either. You need to get something that you're comfortable with that's within your means that you can live with. If it's two people in the household and both of you work, you should get a mortgage payment that if one of you lose your job, if the, not the highest breadwinner, but the, lower, the, the lowest income, you could live if that person stopped working. That's the way we like to do ours. If she would stop working, can we still live the way we live? Can we still pay our bills? Yes. So I, I've heard, um, you, you probably answered this, but I, I've heard people say over the years, you know, good debt, and there's good debt, and then there's bad, bad debt. debt. Mm -hmm. House so, is good debt. So you would say house would be good debt. Good debt. Mm -hmm. um, and since good debt is something that you can get a return on your investment. That's what good. is considered good, good debt. Excellent. A car is bad debt for a new car. Why? Because you drive it off the lot, you lose five or $6,000 off the top of it. Ain't that the truth? And once you get 100,000 miles on it, people, 75,000 is tough. Once you get to 100,000 miles, people don't tell you, banks will not finance a car with 100,000 miles on it. You have to pay cash for it. So if you got a car and you got 100,000 miles on it, just plan on driving until it falls apart. That's my goal. My suburban got 100,000 miles. I, I, got a, I know a guy who drove one up to 400,000 miles. I said, if he did it that long, I, I got some years left on mine. Amen. Yeah, there's good debt and bad debt. Credit card, bad debt. Because you pay people 18 to 20% to use your own money. That's what I don't understand. You're really paying to use your money. Why? Save up and pay cash for it. The good thing about these principles we just talked about, spend less than you earn, avoid the use of debt, build an emergency fund, set long-term goals. These principles will work if you're a business person. They'll work for children. Could you imagine if the government lived on this principle here? It'll even work for the government if you think about it. If, if we as a nation would spend less than we earn, if we as a nation would avoid the use of debt. I mean, we owe China so much money now when they had that problem with all the problems, the things coming, they didn't care. They didn't address it. What are we going to do to them? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Page 32. Did I answer your question okay, Pastor Gary? Yes. Okay, good. Setting priorities. 
this goes back to the will a little bit, the world's principles and God's, the world's priorities and God's priorities. The world's priority, number one, is your lifestyle. How good do I look? Am I keeping up with everybody else? Am I doing what they do? Look what God says your number one priority should be, giving. Giving. That should be your number one priority. Number two, the world says our taxes. You got to take care of your, your taxes. God's priority says saving and investing. That's being productive. Number three, debt payment for the world. Number three, debt payment. God says you got to pay your bills because now you want to you ruin your testimony. Be a Christian who goes and buys things but don't pay for it. If you make the debt, guess what? No one twisted your arm when you bought that car. No one made you sign the paperwork for that car. You knew you couldn't afford $500 a month. And then you want to say, oh, I don't want this anymore. What does that do to your testimony? No, you signed it, whether it's broken down, whether you run it in the ground. You didn't change the oil in the car. You made the engine blow up. You need to honor that obligation because you signed it. Number four, the world says you need to save and do your investing. No, God says pay your taxes. Give unto Caesar that that is Caesar's. Look at the difference here. The, the, the world wants to get the taxes out of the way, but God says, no, save and invest first. Save for that rainy day. Put, have that emergency fund. The world says the last thing you need to do is give. The world says get. Don't worry about giving. God says enjoy some of your finances with your lifestyle. The results are very, are very different here. The world's result is overspending. Look at God's result, contentment. God's priorities. Number one is giving. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's talking about giving here. This is productive. On the first day of the week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made for me. Paul's talking about sustaining the church there. He's talking about taking care of the gospel. Giving is a first priority. That's the blank there. Giving is a first priority. Saving and investing. A little bit, first blank is little, over a long time frame, second blank is long, makes a big difference. And we'll talk about this later. A little bit over a long time frame makes a big difference. Number three, debt repayment. That's what I was just telling you about. If you make those loans and you don't pay them, look what the Bible says about you. The wicked borrow and do not repay. God says the wicked. God takes you out and puts you in a whole different category. He says the wicked borrow and do not repay. But then look what he says. But the righteous gives generously. If I borrow money, I am obligated to repay it. If you give somebody money, or if they say they need some money, and you know they really can't pay you back or they don't have a job, don't loan them the money. Because you're making them lie to say they're going to pay you back. Give them the money. I've done that before. I tell them, no, I'm not. They'll say, let me borrow this, man. No, you can have this. Because I know you can't pay me back. Whenever you loan somebody money, never loan them more than you can afford to lose. 
Because if you loan them five hundred dollars, they don't pay you back. That five hundred dollars is gone. That's my rule. If I if I loan, I'm not gonna loan you something I can't afford to lose. It's a whole nother lesson on that. Taxes. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Number five, under lifestyle. Lifestyle is really, lifestyle is really an opportunity to exercise faith. There are three blanks here. A, the first blank says, I am to provide for my family. If anyone, look at this, 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 is, this is strong language here. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If I don't, if I don't help out my, my, my relatives when I can and especially my family, that in God's eyesight, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Have a lifestyle I am content with. Remember, you want to be content, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, we can carry nothing out. But if we have food and clothes, we will be content with that. I told you, you've never been to a funeral and seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Can't take it with you. And then C, enjoy what God has given me. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides, with, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So, so he's, he's talked about setting our priority, and then he talks about planning. If you choose to spend everything on your lifestyle, then you'll have nothing left to execute your financial plan. That first blank there, there is no such thing as an independent financial decision. I say that because of this. You can spend money as you like, but you can only spend it once. You can spend money as you like, but you can only spend that money one time. So he says there, 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 there's no independent financial decisions. Spouses, you, you, you should sit down and talk about spending. You should decide to spend. If both of you can't come into an agreement with it, you need to sit down and talk and wait till you come to an agreement, and then you need to make a decision to spend that money. Remember, 56% of divorces come from what? Financial problems, financial issues. The longer the, the, longer the perspective, the better the financial decision. In other words, give up today's desires and benefits for future good decisions. In other words, you don't have to have it right now. You gotta get away from that self-gratification. You gotta say, you know what, I can make it without it. I don't have to have that today. <clears throat> so we, 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 there's no independent financial decisions. The longer the perspective, the better the financial decision. The next blank, financial maturity. Give up today's desires for future benefits. Financial maturity. Then it's five final instructions that he gives us here. Husband and wife, pray together for God's guidance. When you start to work on your finances, sit down and pray about it. Say, okay, God, show us the way. Because God may speak something 
to Pastor Gary, and then he may speak along the same lines to his wife, so they need to come together to talk about it. Make those, pray together over those things that God would give you guidance. Uh, number two, boy, that, this is, look honestly at where you are. Talked about this earlier. You got to be honest. If you're not going to be honest with yourself, you're never going to be financially free. If you know you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you got to say, how do I stop this? If I'm paying my Visa card with my MasterCard or my MasterCard with my Discovery card, all I'm doing is digging a hole. I've got to be honest with myself and say, you know what? I'm not getting anywhere. I need help. And people don't like to look at themselves in the mirror. They'll look at you all day long. But when you put the mirror up in front of them, they'll give you every excuse in the world why they don't want to look. Because the mirror makes you examine who? Yourself. Number three, prioritize your needs and your goals. Make you a list of things you want. And then you have to say, is this a need or is this a goal or is this a want? See, because God promised he'll meet our needs. The wants are extra benefits that he gives us. Prepare a workable plan. Budget. Then number five, practice keeping good records. Discipline yourself. That's that worksheet I was just telling you about. Write those things down. Like Pastor Gary said, when you write that coffee down and look at it, and you start seeing that you're spending money on those Starbucks or wherever it is, you got a whole stack of receipts, you'll start to think, do I really need to do this? Four biblical principles for money management. These are the ones. We're just going to review these here. We talked about these. Spend less than you earn. On page 34. Avoid the use of debt. Build an emergency fund of $1,000. And set long-term goals. Find out which one of these is the greatest challenge for you, and that's the one you need to work the hardest on. Ask yourself, which one of these is the hardest one for me to, which, which, which one of these will challenge me the most, and that's the one you spend your time on. What is the first step to, towards overcoming that challenge? Are you willing to commit? You, you talk about this in a group if you want to. Spend less. Go to fewer movies. Eat out less. Make your own coffee at home. Avoid debt. Cut up your credit cards. Throw away credit cards. Those ones you get in the mail, stick them in the shredder. Don't spend money that is not in your checking account because it's not yours. Build your emergency fund. Decide on an amount and set it aside each week. Like I say, I say $1,000 because it would be good to have $1,000 in the bank where if anything would ever happen. And then set long-term goals. One of your, your first long-term goals should be to get out of debt. Save for college and buy. I like that order. He says, get out of debt, save for college, and buy a house. The first thing you need to do is get out of debt. You've got to do that. The only way a financial plan can help you is if you implement it. You can write it on paper all day long, but if you never do it, what good, what good is it? There are a lot of great ideas on paper that no one ever, ever used. So they, they do you no, no good at all. There's an envelope system that they have, and maybe another time we'll get to get into that. There's, a, there's some, some great resources that they, they talk about here. And we talked about your financial goal planning on some of the worksheets uh, and everything right there. Okay, we'll stop right there. We'll take a little break, and then we'll move on to the next session, given as an act of worship.